Awesome. Hey, I'm excited today. Um, man, it's so encouraging to check out that praise jar and to, uh, to hear you guys share how you're seeing life from God's perspective from, from all the way around. That's just awesome because uh, that, that, he says if we keep our minds stayed on him or focused on him, we'll have perfect peace. So it's awesome to just see him in every situation. Nothing's an accident. Uh, today, after church, we are, or after this worship service, we're going to continue worshiping, and we're going to have a baptism. And uh, raise your hand right there, Sarah. All right. It was kind of cool because her mom, Susan, got baptized at the end of when we did baptism about three weeks, I don't know, a month ago or whatever. We had a bunch of people, a few people, and asked if there was anybody else that wanted to get baptized. And she came forward, and then now her daughter's coming forward to get baptized. And if it's raining hard enough, we can maybe do the whole immersion thing from right here. But uh, otherwise, we're going out in the water, and it'll be good. So you're welcome to follow us out there, but we are going no matter what, right? Lightning, anything. If you die, you're not. You're going to heaven, right? Are you sure? All right. That's it, man. That's, that's a true test right there. But, you know, yeah, we'll see how that all works. All right. Very cool. Hey, everybody stick your arms up real quick. Now go ahead and look to the right and look to the left. Let's do it again. Look to the right and go, breathe in. Now look to the left and breathe in. All right, how many of you would testify to the fact that you each have a couple of armpits? Yes, and how many of you testify to the fact that even though it may not be true right now, but at some point, sometime, your armpits stink? Anybody? That is true. And, uh, and, and you know what I used to tell my granny, because back in the day when they first started coming out with all those drugs, she ruined her senses on Dristan. You remember that stuff you squirt up your nose? And, and I'd go, Granny, you smell bad. She's like, no, I don't. And I came to the conclusion that people who can't smell usually do. All right? Take that one in. People who can't smell do. But, but, so if you don't think you, your underarms stink on occasion, it's probably because you cannot smell. All right? Because everybody does. We all have armpits and they all stink. And I want to propose the, the, uh, the saying to you today, excuses are like armpits. Everyone has them and they all stink. How many of y'all agree with me? That's it, man. We all, how many of y'all are famous for making up excuses when you don't want to do something? When you're scared of doing something, when you're afraid. And so that's the testimony of Israel, man. Israel missed so many of God's blessings because they were so full of excuses. And so the first part, everybody breathe this with me. Excuses are like? Amen. Everyone has them and they all? Amen. Okay, so we're on the same page. That could be scripture. There's application there. But look at the next part. Faith is like? It doesn't work or unless you, that's right, dude, you can have a 55-gallon drum of the stuff, but unless you're putting it under your arms, it is not going to work. And so Israel over, oh, yeah, right there. Perfect, man. Yeah, I was going to pull the stuff out of the side of my car, but it had all kind of, yeah, it was just not stuff you guys wanted to be passing around. But, yeah, exactly that. Man, Israel, every time God said, go claim it, go do it, here it is, it's already done for you. Israel would be like, well, we can't do it because of this, or, or were they bigger than us, or we're so small, they have lots of excuses, they missed out on so many of God's blessings because they were full of excuses, and they didn't apply God's promises to their life. If we will apply deodorant, we will smell a whole lot better. If you apply God's word to your life, then you will run out of excuses. You will see God's promises being fulfilled in your life because God is a God who makes promises that he cannot lie. When God makes a promise, that promise is true. So as I was uh, looking at Acts chapter 11, because uh, we're, we're, what we're doing is in Acts, I mean, I'm sorry, in Acts chapter 13, we're actually studying this first sermon that's recorded that the Apostle Paul preached. And it's the longest sermon. It's the longest one recorded by him. And, and what God has had us had me do, because a lot of us aren't super familiar with the Old Testament and, and, and the church today, is to basically take each little piece that he has preached and kind of go back to what he was referring to. Because when he was preaching to these Jews in Antioch who were looking for Christ, he would mention a story from the Old Testament and everybody would go, oh yeah, we know everything about it. We've learned it our whole life. But today when you mention some of the Old Testament stories, people are like, oh, they might have a kid's song for it. Or they might have some little idea of what it means. But I thought it was important because God told me it was important for us to basically take each one of these little pieces of his sermon and his references to the Old Testament. And in order to understand it better, 
to basically take a look at the story that he was talking about. So look at this in verse 18, chapter 13, verse 18. Uh, Paul gets up and he's preaching to him. And you remember last week we talked about Joseph because it says, man, with a strong arm, God took him out of Egypt. And we learned last week with a strong arm, he put him in Egypt, made him go from about 70 people to over 2 million. And through 10 plagues to show Pharaoh that he was a God stronger than any of Egypt's gods. And he pulled them out. And here they are with a strong arm. He pulled them out. But now look at verse 18. It says, now for a time of about 40 years. Hey, what have you all been doing for the last 40 years? Fernando, you're not even there yet, right? As we discussed, you get fixing to be, can we tell everybody? Yeah, tell everybody. Terry, Terry said it earlier in front of you. 37, man, right? Or is it 36? We were arguing. She, yeah, she's stuck at an age. How many of y'all are stuck at an age? You just pass that. But, but yeah. Terry, I'm gonna be. You're gonna be in trouble. I'm in trouble. I'll, I'll stop right here. Yeah. All right. But 40 years for a period of 40 years. That's more than your life. How many of y'all have not been alive for 40 years? Go ahead and raise your hand and brag on it. All right. There you go. How many of you are are are, are you've seen 40? <laughs> That's all we're gonna say. You've seen 40, right? Yeah. I got 15 years on 40, man. But for a period of 40 years, and I just want you to get an idea how long that is. Natalie, there's things you feel like you've been waiting on for a lifetime. Here's 40 years, for a period of 40 years, God put up with their ways. Man, how many of y'all have ever put up with somebody for 40 years? Well, don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, we've only been married 28, all right? <laughs> but God put up with Israel for 48 years. And what's interesting in the Hebrew there, it can be read two ways, which is the way we would actually say it too. He put up with them. But it also, in the Hebrew, can be taken to say that he provided for them. So by put for, the way he put up with them was not by always crushing them, but by always showing his goodness and providing for them. <laughs> Hopefully they would get the point and they would start following him. But for 40 years they didn't. So how in the world did they take an 11-day journey? You understand that's what's supposed to happen? After Leviticus, they were taught how to worship. That was the first month of the second year. And then the, the, uh, the, the second month of the second year, that's where we're at in the book of Numbers on our Monday night Bible study. They're learning how, once they've learned how to worship, now they're learning how to be a warrior. Because warrior, uh, being a warrior and worshiper go hand in hand. And, and so all of a sudden, God said, you know, all right, guys, we're going to leave. It's going to take 11 days, basically, to go from here to here to start claiming the land that I promised Abraham. Long time ago that you've been hearing about forever. And by the way, they still don't have it. And they are going to have it. Whatever you do, stay on the side of the Jews. Whatever you do, don't ever go against God's people. Ever, ever, ever. Because he told Abraham, he said, I am going to bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. And I guarantee you that's still going to happen. That's a little extra right here when you read scripture. So he said for about 40 years, he put up with the ways of Wilson. But why did it take 40 years to get through an 11-day journey? And it just so happened that Monday night, for those of you who were in Monday Night Bible Study, let me see your hand. All right, you guys were in there, and we're going to actually go over that chapter again. So please feel free as commentary experts to inject anything you would like into this, uh, this message here. But it just so happened as I'm studying this, it was like, wow. We just studied on Monday night how they got into that predicament, how they took an 11 day journey and turned it into 40 years. Anybody ever do something like that? Have you ever just procrastinate? Have you ever used your excuses to procrastinate on doing what God wanted you to do and 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 not gone into it, taking his promises at face value and, and, and you've missed his blessing. You've taken made something take way longer. How many of you ever did what God wanted you to do and finally said, man, why didn't I do that sooner? Anybody been there? Yeah. Man, if God is speaking to your heart right now to do something, do it. Even if it's to get up and walk out of here, which I hope it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying whatever God's telling you to do, man, you've got to do it. He's got great plans for you, not bad plans. And, and what he wants for you is better than what you even want for you, even if it's different. I promise you that. So here we go. Let's take a quick journey into uh, Numbers chapter 13. Terry, 33 verses, bro. We'll do that quicker than we did four last week. You, you believe me? Let's see. Let's see what happens. All right, starting in verse 1. This is, uh, again, I told you in Le the book of Leviticus. Uh, if you ever tried reading the Bible through, we hit Genesis, Exodus, and you're going, yeah. 
And then you hit that puddle of molasses called Leviticus, right? And you're like, oh, the Leviticus. But if you understand that what Leviticus is, is God now, he's had the uh, Israelites out of the wilderness and they're on or in the wilderness out of Egypt. And he says, now you're my people. And I'm going to tell you how to worship me. I'm going to teach you how to worship me. And if you worship me, I'm going to bless your socks off, man. You're going to have such an awesome time. And then in the book of Numbers, he says, as you are worshiping me, if you stay and you are a, a, a faithful worshiper of me, now I'm going to teach you how to be a warrior. And you're going to take the land that I had promised Abraham. And so now in Numbers 13, they're almost at that point where it's like, yes, go get it. God's already been telling them it's theirs. God's already told them it's theirs. And he says, go get it. And so here it says, look at this, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, hey, so where's this idea coming from? Help me out. From God, okay, if you just look at that verse, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. The Lord spoke to, Abraham, or to Moses and said, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm going to give the children of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a leader among them. So basically what it looks like from this verse that God has said, you guys, here's what, I've given you all this property, so now go out and spy it out. Is that not what it looks like? So the idea to go out and spy out the property, whose idea is that? God. But guess what? This is a great lesson for all of us because you can't just take one story in the Bible and develop your theology off of it. You can't just take one verse and develop your theology off it. You have, I had a professor tell me one time, a text without a context is a pretext. And so you need to look at it in context. And you need to look at everywhere the Bible writes about this story to find out what it's saying. And if you go to Deuteronomy chapter 1, you know what you're going to find out? around chapter, verses 20, 21, 22, 23, all in there, here's what's going to happen is, is God says, man, I want you to go take this property. It's yours. I've already gone before you, and it's, it's all yours. Claim it. He said, but then, oh, don't you hate the buts in the Bible? But then you came to me and said, well, we want to we wanna go check it out first. We want to go scope it out and make sure you're not lying to us, God, in essence is what they're saying. We want to make sure it's okay, God. When God already said, if God said it's okay, what is it? Okay. Yeah, but how many of us have to check it out first? Like Gideon, he knew as a farmer down in the threshing field, the most unqualified person to ever be a warrior leader. He knew God called him to do it. But what do you have to do? Throw out a fleece. Okay, God, if it's wet in the morning and everything else is dry, I'll do it. So what did God do? Made it that way. Okay, God, this time it's dry and everything else is wet. And what did he do? After a bunch of times, God said, I told you to do it. How about you? But yet we keep throwing, if it's really you, God, if you really want me to do it, man, God's up there going, what do I have to do? And so in Deuteronomy 1, he's saying, guys, I told you, take it. But you keep asking me, prove it to me, God. God, let me go out and explore. And here's something I want you to see out of this. When you study scripture from Genesis to Revelation, you know one of the primary ways God judges people? One of the primary ways God judges people is by giving them what they want. Think about that. So many people go pray something and I'm in God's name and I want this and blah, blah, blah. We throw all this out and then when God lets them have it, they claim that that's God. But instead, you look at scripture, Romans chapter one, Romans chapter one, he gave them up to their reprobate mind. God's going to speak to you and he's going to show you in his word and he's going to he's going to show you what you want. But if what you want isn't what he wants and you won't change your heart to want what he wants. Guess what God's going to do in judgment? He's going to give you what you want. And let me ask you a question. What's better, what God wants or what you want? Yeah. Me? Dude, I want to become more and more and more submissive to my master as a slave. And I want to say, God, I'm not even qualified. I don't know what I want. I want you. I want you to show me what I want. I want you to give me just a an undeniable answer of what I'm supposed to have, where I'm supposed to be, what I'm supposed to do. Is God a big enough God to show you when you need to see it? Absolutely. God wants us to cry out after him like a baby cries out after its mother. 
How's that work, man? You haven't been nursing for a while, but when you were nursing, what was the only thing that was ever going to satisfy that baby? You. And that's how he wants us to be with him. Cry out, cry out, cry out until he then comes and speaks to us and shows us, I want what God wants. And Jeremiah said, he said, you can't trust your heart. Your heart's the most deceitful thing above everything else. And how does Satan even deceive us? Sometimes he tried to deceive Jesus even with the word of God in the temptations in the wilderness. Oh, I see you're playing by the word. So Jesus here, jump off the pinnacle of the temple. And before you hit the bottom with all those worshipers there, if you're really the Messiah, man, he said he's going to send angels to scoop you up and you won't even dash your foot against a stone. And everybody will know you're the Messiah and you won't have to go to the cross and you won't have to die. Was that in scripture? Yes. But was it in context? No. Man, we need the word of God taught to us by the Holy Spirit of God. And in having that happen, we have got to walk in submission with him. I don't want what I want. I want what God wants. But you know what? That's just right now. <laughs> this afternoon, we might be hanging out at Ashley's, eating out of her crock pot, man, and, and hanging around, and somebody's got the good chair, and I want the good chair. <laughs> I'm just saying, it changes all the time, and we've always got to check ourselves. I want what you want. You want me to sit outside in the rain and the grass? Okay, that's what I'll do. No, I don't. Did you know what I'm saying? So it, here's the story. It looks like, it looks like, God's saying, go send people out there. God's saying, go send, but that's not what God wants. God already told them, here's what you're supposed to do. Hey, let me ask you a question. One of the commandments is don't lie, right? So do you have to have God send you a fleece to know whether you're supposed to lie to somebody about a certain situation? What if it's a boss and you're going to get fired? Ooh, well, maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, do we, have to, do we have to send a fleece out and have God confirm one of the Ten Commandments to us? then we don't have to have him confirm any of the other commandments. We do what he said to do. But it takes faith, man. And faith is like that deodorant. It doesn't work unless you apply it. it. You can know it. You can quote scripture backwards and forwards. You can know all these great things and call a good game and say all the right stuff, but it's, it's responding. It's applying his word to your life. And if you don't apply it, it won't work and your life will be full of excuses. You want to get rid of the excuses, build your faith by applying his word. So let's see what happens. He said, Spent, send, go ahead, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the children of Israel from each tribe of their fathers. You shall send a man, every one, a leader among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran according to the command of the Lord. Ooh, there it is. You're saying God told them to do it. Again, God said, go ahead. Why would God? Now, if God didn't really want them to go, why would God go ahead and send them? What is there for them to learn in this? Maybe that they don't need to ask about commands anymore. Maybe he's trying to teach them how to trust him in all of this. So, yeah, God does throw tests in our life, but we could avoid a lot of tests if we would just believe, if we would just apply the word of God to our lives in that. So the Lord commanded uh, to the commandment of the Lord, all of them, men who were heads of the children of Israel. Uh, now, these were the names, OK, from the tribe of Reuben. Uh, Terry said he was going to help me pronounce different names. How many of y'all are willing to help me pronounce names in the Bible today? All right, so here's the key, guys. I, I did tell you back in the country church where I was at, this old lady said, Pastor Eddie, all you got to do is just say cornbread when you don't know how to pronounce one. But we're not going to do cornbread today. But here's what you have to do. You have, you, have to, you have to pronounce it like you actually know, you know, like don't have it like sh sh Shamua. People don't think you know what you're doing, but if you just go, yeah, dude, Reuben, Shamua, son of Zakor. Dude, what if that isn't right? What if that's like a hood name at a graduation? You know what I'm saying? It's like, Sham Mu A. So we just say it like you know what it is, right? All right, so here we go. All right, so let me know. Raise your hand. I'm going to call if you, want me to, if you want to help me with some of these names. Now, these were the names of the tribes of Reuben. Each one of them is going to send their own spy out there. Shamua, son of Zakor. Now, you're going to go back and you're going to try to figure out how to really say that, right? From the tribe of Simeon. Shaphat, <laughs> Shaphat, the son of Hori, okay? From the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of, come on, what do you think that one is? 
Japuna. Yeah, dude, Japuna. Uh, anybody pregnant in here? You want to name their next kid Japuna? That's a good name. All right. Son of Japuna, all right, and uh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, son of, tell me that one. Joseph. Oh, really? <laughs> I think it's Hos E. <laughs> no, I'm just, just joking. All right. From the tribe of Ephraim, Hoshea, son of Nun. Everybody say Hoshea, because that's coming up later. Hoshea. Hoshea, son of Nun. This is kind of cool when we hit this part. From the tribe of Benjamin. Palti, son of Rapu. All right, I'm going to go with Rapu. I'm just going with that silent H. you got to be consistent when you don't know what you're doing. All right? Son of Rapu. The H is silent in this service right here. All right? From the tribe of Zebulun, Gadier. That, the L is silent, too. It's kind of like French, all right, or Spanish, whatever. The, the son of Sodi. All right? From the tribe of Joseph. That is from the tribe of Manasseh. Gadi, son of Susi. All right? So, Susi, did you name your son Gadi? then that's not you, all right? And you have a daughter, Susie, named uh, Sarah, so that's not you. This is another guy. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamali. <laughs> Gamali, I was going to go the other way. From the tribe of Asher, Sether, son of Michael. I'm going with that one. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of... Uh, help me out with this one, guys. Yeah, Vopsy. Dude, that sounds like Yeroon's dog. Yeroon, it sounds like something you would name your dog, Vopsy, right? Vopsy. If Yeroon and his family has never sung, sang you happy birthday in Dutch, is it? Oh, man, you are missing it, you know. You ought to get on his little list. That's awesome. But Vopsy, that's the next. Does that mean anything? Is that a, is that a name in Dutch? I think that would be an awesome Dutch dog name right there, Vopsy. All right. From the tribe of Gad. Help me out with this one, man. Yeah, <laughs> son of Maki, Maki, all right, and uh, look at this, these are the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land, now let me ask you a question, are names important? Yeah. They would be if that was yours, and we're kind of making fun because we all have a hard time with them, don't we? How many of y'all just like a blah, blah, blah when you're reading it, you skip by, but those names, try to figure them out, because they do mean something, and they are important because God cares about everyone. He wrote their name down, and partly for the Hebrews so they could trace things back. But here's something that's very important in the name. Look at this next part. And Moses called, what's this guy's name? Hoshea. Hoshea. Everybody say Hoshea. And Hoshea means Savior. And Moses called his name, or changed Hoshea, the son of Nun's name, to what is it? Yeah, Joshua, which is also the name Jesus. And so check this out. Hoshea means savior. So who's going to actually lead them into the promised land? Is it Moses or Hoshea or Joshua? It's Joshua. So if Moses turns it over to Hoshea, which means savior, and Hoshea leads them into the promised land, then who are they going to give the credit to? Hoshea, right? But he put a J-O at the beginning, meaning Jehovah. Jehovah saves, which is what Jesus means. Jehovah saves. And so now he says, man, your name is, jo is Jehovah saves, not Savior. So when you lead them into the promised land, they know it's not you. When you yell and those walls fall down at Jericho, which I think we're going to talk about next week, he said, man, we're going to know it isn't you. It's, jo it's God, Jehovah God, the covenant, the promised God that's making that happen. He's just using you. How is that an encouragement to you? If God can use jo Joshua, who else can he use, Kevin? Absolutely. I want you to say me. Who else can he use, Kevin? No, me. Everybody say, if he can use Joshua, he can use me. Yes. Joshua's a glove and God's the hand, folks. He, we're just the vet. We're, we're that vessel. And he's the one that moves in us and through us. And he wants to use you. Isn't that amazing for He wants to use you the way he used Joshua, only in homeschooling during the week. And it sounds like you had an awesome one. And it's cool because we got to hear some cool stories on Wednesday night, small group, of how God was using her being able to see life from his perspective during small group. That's what's so encouraging to hear because it encourages me to keep seeing life from God's perspective. You encouraged me this week on Wednesday night. So look what it says. Moses called Hoshea, son of Nun, Joshua. Jehovah saves. He's got a plan for him, man. Got a plan for him. Now look at this, verse 17. 
So then Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and he said to them, go up this way into the south and go into the mountains. So they started in the south and see what the land is like. Well, let me ask you a question. Do they need to go see what the land is like? No. Why? Because he told them he was secure to victory. He already told them what the land was like. Yeah. It's like watching it on YouTube, and then you got to go check it out for yourself. Well, these days you might need to not trust the media for everything, but you know you might need. But even now, in these last days, don't be deceived by things that you even see. But you know what? Can you trust what God says? Absolutely. And God already told them that it was going to be good. He already told them what it was going to be. Like. He already told them it was theirs. But so look what they're going to check out. They're spinning their wheels. Go check it out. Whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, few or many. Hey, let me ask you a question. If you're going to take over a land, what would you rather have, strong or weak people? Oh, you'd rather have weak because you're going to go do it yourself, right? That's what I want to do if I'm doing it in the flesh. I want people littler than me, you know? But if I want to show people how awesome God is, I want people who they're going to say, dang. <laughs> they're going to say, that wasn't Pastor Eddie. That was God. God wants to continually put us in circumstances and situations that are so supernatural that only he can get blamed for them. That's what that praise jar is about. That's what I keep hearing in there. Where, yes, guess what God did with me? I would have never believed that. So, so they're probably just like most of us in the flesh saying, yeah, I want some weak people, and I only want a few of them so we can take care of this and get it in and out. How many of you prayed, say, God, let my enemy be big and let them be many so you can do whatever you're going to do, and I just get to be a part of it. But that's... Maybe we're praying too small. Maybe our prayers are, oh, God, let me have a good day. We're, we're, God's like, what? You already have a good day. Challenge me. Send prayers up to me where people can see how good I am, how awesome I am. I want to challenge you. That came from the Holy Spirit right there. I want to challenge you to pray bigger than yourself. Pray bigger than yourself. Remember to fix things. Do things so supernatural that only he could get blamed for it. So he's like, go see if they're strong or weak. Few or many. All right. Whether the land dwell is good or bad. So what do you want? What do you guys want? Good land or bad land? Yeah, we want good land. If it's bad land, can God fix bad land and make it good land? Yeah, but we would really like to start with good land and have them make it better, right? Okay. Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds. You want to go kick over somebody's camp at Jellystone, their little tent? Or, or do you want to take over a fortress like this thing down here at the end? You know, we want to kick over a little camp at Jellystone Campground, right? So go see what it's like. And, and they were just like us. Whether the land's rich or, for poor, rich or poor. Oh, I did a wedding yesterday. Sorry, I was coming out again. <laughs> for rich or for poor. Uh, uh, yeah, rich or poor. Whether the forest or there be not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time of the season was the first ripe grapes. So the first grapes were coming about. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin all the way up north as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath. Yeah, we'll go with Hamath. Right. They went from south to north. They went up through the south and they came to Hebron, uh, Ahimon. Mm, Shesh. Yeah, go ahead. Was it? Yes, we'll go with that. And Talmai. The descendants of Anak were there. Ooh, what's the descendants of Anak? Help me out, man. Anak. Uh-oh, we haven't seen them since Genesis. What are the descendants of Anak? Are they bigger or are they small? Oh, wait a minute. Are they bigger or are they small? They're big. Are they bigger or are they giant? Ooh, uh-oh, they're there. Hey, if they would have just listened to God's promise instead of going and checking it out, would they have known that these giants were there? No. Would they have had a reason to be afraid? No, because all they were doing is, God told me to do this. This is what I'm doing. And sometimes it's not good to spy something out. Sometimes it's good to do what God said to do. How many of you have ever been a part of something God did that was so phenomenal that only he could get blamed for it? How many of you would have signed up for it if he told you from the beginning all you would go through? He doesn't do it that way. He just says, dude, we're going to build a house on the beach. <laughs> right? He's like, dude, we're going to do this. We're just going to go. We're going to move. We're going to do this. And as you go through it, he stretches you and stretches you and stretches you. If he told you the whole game plan, you'd be like, yeah, I think I'm just good right here. <laughs> but that's not how he operates, man. But no, it's by his design. 
Apply his word. Apply those promises. Don't use your excuses. Apply the promises. And, and, and trust him. That's it. So now they found these giants there. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. So that was there a long time. Then they came to the valley of Eshkel, and there they cut down a branch. How many branches they cut down? One. A branch with one cluster of grapes. How many of y'all are about a cluster of grapes? You know I'm talking about a little cluster of grapes? Look at this. They carried this one cluster of grapes between two of them on a pole. <laughs> Dude, this was way before like uh, the ozone was depleted and way before the earth has been as cursed as it is now. Dude, you understand? They've got a pole that two people are carrying and one cluster of grapes is on there. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs. So was God lying when he said this place is awesome? Hey, let me ask you a question. Where's our home? Heaven. Yeah. What does he say about heaven? Can't even imagine. Can't even imagine how awesome that is. So why do we keep living for here when our home is in heaven? Because we just stay focused on this right here the way the Hebrew children do. Man, we make excuses like our armpits and we don't apply his promises. But if we would apply those promises to our lives and trust him, Man, we'd see a lot more awesomeness. Man, if we would stay focused on the most awesome thing, I'm going to be in heaven. How long am I going to be in heaven? You're going to be there too, right? Do you guys realize a million years from now, probably even sooner than that, some people say it's going to happen at the eclipse. I hope it does. I'm not a date setter, but dude, yesterday I got one of the cool, two of the coolest tips I've ever gotten on a paddle tour. First, Milo comes out with a quarter, a dime, and a penny. And he was like, here, and it was just so special. He wanted to give me that as a tip or just oh. give it to me for something. But I got it. But then I see them back up again, and I'm like, oh, maybe they forgot. And, and they come running out, care, Yarun, or who gave it to me? But anyways, yeah, dude, you know what they gave me? I've been looking for these all week, eclipse glasses. How many of y'all been looking for eclipse glasses? Dude, these are, these are gold, man. They're made out of paper, but they're, yeah, dude. I, I, I even bought the wrong shade of welder helmet and all this. Never stuff. Took it back. I didn't tell you about that. Sorry. It's, it's, it's already back. It's on the credit card. I was going to, it's all good. But I got eclipse glasses. I don't even know where that was going now. But Squirrel. what's that? Squirrel. Squirrel. Yeah, dude, it has a point, and I'll come back to it here in a minute. But it, it was a lot. Uh, anyways, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Jesus coming back on the eclipse, yeah. And I got eclipsed out, yeah. No, some people do believe that he is coming back on the eclipse. Thank you for helping me pick that middle wedgie, bro. We're going. All right, so let's get them back on the scripture here. That's why I stay with scripture. All right, so here they are. They, they had this big thing of grapes. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. Uh, okay, so the valley, uh, oh, this is great. The place was called the Valley of Eskel because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down. What do you think Eskel means? Yeah, cluster. <laughs> it's like, dude, there were grapes. Let's name this place grape. <laughs> All right, that's what they did here. All right, so see, Old Testament's not that complicated if you read it. All right, guys? But there's some valuable stuff in there. They returned from spying out the land for how long? 40 days. 40 days. Whoa, I mean, what, what were they doing for 40? What have you been doing for the last 40 days? Can you remember the last 40 days? How many of you have ever ever gone in thought about a situation for 40 days how many of you had an issue and all of a sudden because that's the way they were looking at it they weren't going they were not going to the promised land to spy it out to be able to get excited about it they were really probably trying to find an excuse not to go into the promised land because they were scared if they were already excited about it they would have gone and taken it they would have gone and taken it and came right in but they were afraid, so they were going to try to find reasons why they shouldn't go in the promised land. So after day one, do you think, how many of y'all know you find what you look for? So after day one, do you think they found some reasons not to go in the promised land? Yeah, dude, these guys are big. Day two, day three, how many of y'all are worried about things for three days? How many, one day, what does that do to you? Remember, my mom used to say, make mountains out of molehills, man. You know, I remember when I was growing up, man, I had this... Uh, my room was there. We had those jealousy windows, and, and we always had windows open because we didn't have air conditioning. And I can remember when things weren't trimmed, man, they would scratch your window at night. And you know in your mind that it's what? It's a branch. But as you're laying there, dude, what's that branch turn into? Yeah, dude, that's like maybe something outside my window. 
Okay, some's outside our window. Maybe a raccoon, maybe one of the big palmetto bugs we grew up with in Orlando. Some's outside my window. But then what's that something outside my window turn into? Dude, it turns into something bigger. Now it turns in, maybe it's a human out there. And now if you look close enough, you can see the shadow of a human, right? And it's like, dude, I think there's something in here. And then you hear something under your bed, and there's something under your bed also, right? Some of y'all are going to be freaking out tonight because you still haven't gotten over all of this. And, and before you know it, it's a monster with 10-foot claws right outside your window. Was there ever a monster? No. But the battlefield between God and the devil is your mind. That's why our mind has to be fixed on him. The only way we dispel a lie is with the truth. So they returned from spying out the land 40 days. What, would it have been better for them to do 40 seconds or 40 days? 40 seconds. Man, you can't just keep thinking and thinking when God's already told you to do it. It's not going to get... Uh, Natalie, how about on those big days? Now, I know we haven't thought about it in a while because it's been so flat, but it never fails up at the jetty. We'll go there, and there'll always be a pack of old guys up at the bench. And it's big and nasty, and you're carrying your board out, and you got all the confidence. Well, yeah, I'm going out surfing. And then they're out there, and you're like, hey, you guys going out? No, 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 I was kind of looking. I think I saw some sharks out there. No, I'm going to wait till the tide drops a little. No, I'm waiting for it to rise a little. Yeah, you know, I'm going to wait till it's right for the board that I brought. I'm going to – excuses, right? And let me ask you a question. Are the waves ever going to get better for those guys sitting at the first boardwalk? No. And when you go out so often, Tom, isn't this true? When you go out and you paddle out into junk, isn't it much better out there than it was from the boardwalk? Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, it was great. It was much better than what they had. But look at this, 40 days. That's where they're at. They stayed for 40 days. And um, uh, now it says they departed. They came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation, the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They came back. Uh, they brought back word to them and all the congregation. So now they're bringing word back from their spying. And they showed them the fruit of the land. So people are like, yeah, we like grapes. <laughs> That's awesome. And pomegranates and figs. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us. It does flow with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. Shouldn't that be where it ends? <laughs> that should be it. Let's go get it. But look what happens. What's the next word? Oh, my goodness. What's your word for nevertheless? But. Now you'll start to be going, but nevertheless. <laughs> it's like, but. Isn't that our word? This is awesome. What? But. Man, let's leave that out of it. Nevertheless. What is this saying, man? They don't believe him. They don't believe him. They're challenging his character of who he is. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are what? Strong. The cities are fortified. They're, and God's like, yeah, I'm giving you a good place. I'm not giving you a little shanty town in Jamaica. Dude, this is a good place. Moreover, moreover, there's another word. Nevertheless, what's the next one? Moreover, yeah, what is moreover? More of this over the top. Moreover, we saw descendants of who? Everybody's like, oh, right? <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Are you an encourager or a discourager? Man, I'm both. I like to be an encourager, but sometimes I am that devil's advocate. I'm just a truth speaker. <laughs> no, I'm just a negative Nelly. I'm a discourager sometimes when I'm not seeing it from God's perspective. And that's where they're at, man. You know what, man? If you were an encourager, you're going to see those in a minute. Yeah, dude, there's giants there. I can't wait to see how God uses you to take those guys out. But that's not where they're just like, oh, it's big. It's fortified. God just uses to tease us, and he's going to leave us hanging. We should get a party and go back to Egypt. And that's exactly what we're going to learn yeah. this Monday night. That's exactly what they do to God. Instead of being, yes, dude, look what's here. There's giants here. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Patriotites, the Chicago Bearites. Well, they wouldn't worry about them, but um, the, they dwell like the Miami Dolphinites. You wouldn't worry about them, right? <laughs> They're not going to be any good either this year. Um, they dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea. So there's no place. They got from the sea to the mountains, and it's all covered up. And God's like, yes. And they're like, no. 
And I wonder how often that's us. Then Caleb, listen to this. Let me see if you'd be a Caleb. Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let's go up at once and take possession. We are able to overcome it. Who here has ever been a Caleb? Not that you're all the time, but how many of you have ever been a Caleb? God's used you to rally the troops to go do what God's called to do. Every one of us should be that. Man, at some point, no matter what your temperament, your personality, my wife's quiet as can be and is mellow, but she has been a Caleb for me. There's times I'm down and she's encouraged me with God's word that, yes, we can do this and trust God. So it's nothing to do with your personality. It's your perspective and how you're seeing things in all of that. That's why we need community and we need each other in all of this. So they said, yeah, and they were the Caleb was a cheerleader. What's the next word say? That's kind of like moreover and nevertheless. But the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people. I sound like veggie tails or something. For they are stronger than us. Dude, stronger than who? What's that word, that two-letter word? Us. But who are they not stronger than? And you know what happens when we lose sight of whose job this is and who's... The, who's actually in the glove. You, you know, we, we magnify our problems. We magnify the situation when we, real, we think we're the final answer. We're the solution. When to God, it's unlimited. His thoughts are way higher than ours. Look at this. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report and of the land in which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people whom we saw, they are of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak come from the giants. And we were like, look at this. We were like, how did they view themselves? Did you notice that? We were like grasshoppers. So that's their personal view of themselves. And so we were in their sight. You see that? Were they really grasshoppers? Not, not if they were seeing themselves as a child of God, if they were seeing their true identity as a believer, as God's children who it's already been promised to, but they didn't see it that way. They saw, they had that earthly outlook as opposed to the heavenly uplook. That's how they viewed things. So that's what I want you to kind of think about in that last part. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. You know what, how many of y'all look in the mirror and you're like wishing you could change something? Would you just be honest? Anybody here? Anybody here? The rest of you are just conceited. No, I'm just saying, no, I'm joking. Either that or you know who you are in Christ. You know who you are in Christ. We look at that outside. We look at all this other stuff. And, and the fact is, the most important thing of who we are is our, is, our, is our identity in Christ. Our identity in Christ. Who are you? As an, uh, it, it, what is part of your identity in Christ? Somebody help me out. Tell me. One thing that represents your identity in Christ. Who's the first one to tell me something? Represents your identity in Christ. Yeah, go ahead. You're what? Okay, you have compassion for people. As identifying with Christ, okay, you're full of compassion or love. Okay, what else? Who else has got something that we're going to re-identify ourselves instead of letting the world and the media and everybody else? What else? Working on what Jesus did as the first. Say that again? I'm working on ask his father. Ah, in our identity in Christ, we ask the father what he wants us to do and we do what he wants us to do. And as long as we're doing that, does it matter what the polls say? Does it matter what everybody thinks about us? Does it matter? As long as we are pleasing him, he's the, he's the master, we're the servant. He's our father, we're his child. So that's who we have to please right there. Because you aren't going to please everybody. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus please everybody? No. And he didn't care because he pleased who? The father. Beautiful. What else? Help me out. What's your identity in Christ? Yeah. These are my victories. Chosen, free, forgiven. Right on. You're chosen. Who chose you? As God. God chose you. God picked you. And can he, he picked you for his team. Can he trade you? Like a fantasy football player? Oh, you're not producing, so I'm going to trade you. No. No. No, he can't trade you. And in fact, it's so great when Paul talks about us being... Uh, adopted in the Roman culture, you could get ready and disown your own kids. I could disown you. No, but I'm not going to. But, but when you adopted somebody, you couldn't disown them because you chose them. And God chose you. If you're a believer, the only reason you gave your life to Christ is because he gave you the desire and ability to. He chose you. And what's the second one you said? Free. 
You're free. What does that mean? All these ugly things, they don't own me. I can put them right in their place. I'm free to be who I am, and I have to let, I have to let some of that go. And Amen. I'm free because God chose me. Yeah. And because he forgives me. Yeah. And is there anything you could ever do to not be his child again? Nope. Yeah, there's not. You're free. You're free for so much. And what was the last one? Forgiven. Forgiven. What are you forgiven of? Every. Yeah, every, just stop right there. Everything. I do. Everything. You're forgiven of stuff you haven't even done yet. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean you have to get things straight with God in your relationship, but you are forgiven. Man, what else in your identity? Go ahead. Yeah. Tell me what that means. And, that, and, and we got to be in the spirit for that, especially if our husband gets a job in Europe, huh? I'm praying for you on that. And we're all praying. Pray for her husband to get a job here if that's what he's supposed to do. Contentment. That's our identity, and that's who we have to identify with, what we identify with. What else is our identity in Christ? How about addictions? Is that our identity in Christ? No. No. How about uh, greed? Is that our identity in Christ? No. No. What, what, help, go ahead. Surrender. That's what I see, you know, when yeah. it reflects back. Amen. And that's the hardest thing. That's the hardest thing to kind of accept that and just go. Because, and that's who our identity is, yeah. is being his. Do you, do you know what that's going to look like when you surrender? Do you know what the future holds when you surrender? Do you know exactly all the details? Because no. you don't have control anymore, right? No, exactly. But do you trust the one that does? Yeah, you have to. Yeah. And one detail we do know is that we have a home in heaven. And do we know when we surrender that he's going to work it out better than us? The one who knows everything, the one who can do anything, and the one who's everywhere, do you think he's got a better way of working it out than us? Yeah, so it makes sense to surrender, and we have that freedom. Does God ever say, no, I already taught you. Go do that on your own. No, he's always welcoming us. Anybody else? What's your identity in Christ? How about you? Joy. Joy, yeah. No matter what, you can find joy in it. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Yeah, he's got to give that to you, though. Anyone else? Well, What's we that? We have eternity. eternity. There'll be no time. Yeah. Time will stop and we'll be forever. Yeah, eternity. dude. I can't even think that high of eternity and what that means. But yeah, forever and ever and ever, this place is finite. So listen, guys, here's this. We could keep going on. And if you were in a small group, we would. That's what we do till like 11, 12, 1 in the morning. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Sometimes till 10. <laughs> but you know what? But that's what we're there for. And, and it's good. But the point that I want to make today is that Israel, um, Israel missed a lot of God's blessings because they were full of excuses. So help me out with this last part. Put your arms up. Excuses are like everyone has them, and at some point they all. Yeah, go stick your nose in the next person's arm. No, <laughs> excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got them, and they all stink. And you know when you're making an excuse, don't you? Man, quit making excuses, and instead treat your faith like deodorant, it, and, and realize it's not going to work unless you use it. You can quote it. You can tell others about it. You can preach it, but it's not going to work for you until you use it. If I had a case of deodorant and I started handing it out to everybody here and I never used it myself, it wouldn't work, but all of you guys would be good, right? i got to use it myself. And that's what being a disciple is. He said, you use it yourself and it becomes real for you, then you pass it out. And we all learn how to use it together, not like middle school boys. Anybody ever, like youth pastor, give middle school boys deodorant? You see what they do? They run on walls and they eat it. Oh, this tastes better than this one. I'm just serious. we got to use it. So believe it or not, that's what the Holy Spirit has for you, for me today. But um, going back again, excuses like armpits. Everyone's got them and they all stink. But faith is like deodorant. It doesn't work unless you use it. Israel missed so many of God's blessings because they made excuses when all they had to do was trust Him. So what Paul's doing in this message that he's preaching is he's showing these Jews in Antioch who need to give their life to Christ what their forefathers did and how they complicated their religion and they missed Christ. 
and he doesn't want them to do the same thing their forefathers did, to have such a religious idea about everything that they miss Christ. And so, you know, that's where it comes down to us. Man, just, just what do you want me to do now, God? And do it. And just trust him. Quit trying to figure it out. Quit trying to see what it's going to look like in the future. Just surrender yourself to him and just keep going. Is there anybody here that's ever given their life to Christ, really surrendered it, and wish they hadn't? Can I see your hand? I'm not going to make fun of you. But how many of you would be willing to admit that you surrendered yourself to him and you're so grateful you did? I've never met anybody in the world that's given their life to Christ and wish they hadn't, but thousands like me that wish they had done it sooner. Just trust him. And besides, you know what? You may say, well, yeah, I'm going to heaven when I die, but I can't trust him right now. Think about that, and I'll, I'll close on this. When you are dead, um, Susie, when you're dead, is there anything you can do for yourself? And who are you trusting when you're dead? You're trusting him, right? So why, not, why do we not trust him here while we're alive? You know, if we're trusting him when we're dead and can't do anything, why, don't, why are we not trusting him here now? Because we think we might be able to do something. But honestly, you can't. So you're spiritually alive, and that can only be done through him. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, um, I know this is what you wanted me to share with this group today. Um, and Father, I know that we often miss what you want for us. We take 11-day journeys and we turn them into 40-year journeys or something like that because we're scared. We procrastinate because we're scared. Sometimes as finite human beings, we want to know as far into the future of how it's all going to work out, how, it's going to, how, how you're going to fix it, how you're going to take care of it. But we know looking in the past that we couldn't have understood it on the things that you did work out. Father, I, I pray that for anyone right now that's going through something that they know they don't have the answer for, something they know they don't have the resources for, that, Father, they would surrender everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you. They would put themselves under your authority and ask you what you want them to do. What are their next steps? And Father, I pray that you would speak loud and clear to them. I pray that when they find something in Scripture, they would find it in context. I pray that they would apply it like deodorant. And Father, that it, we know that it would work. So Father, would you just give us all a desire for you to trust you at another level, a desire we can't refuse. And I pray that if there's somebody who's never given their life to Christ, that today would be the day they surrender themselves and just totally just give everything they know about themselves to everything they know about you so they could have eternal life. But for those of us who have that eternal life, Father, help us to forget about the excuses. Father, help us not to go on a 40-day search, but just simply do what you've asked us to do on a daily, moment-by-moment -moment basis, counting on the fact that if we take every step you want us to take, we will end up at the destination you want us to end up at. So help us live moment by moment for you in this world that is so scheduled and so planned. And um, help us work it all out where we live by faith and not by sight so we don't miss anything you have for us. And I pray for these things in Jesus' name.